Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be speaking with Lisa Charlotte Rost, a Berlin-based data visualization designer and blogger for the charting tool Data Wrapper. For a data journalist with zero coding skills looking to quickly and easily design a chart, graph, or map, Data Wrapper is often the go-to tool for many. Prior to joining Data Wrapper, Lisa worked in newsrooms across the United States and Germany. Among them include NPR, Bloomberg Businessweek, Tagesspiegel, Spiegel, and Zeit Online. She has also contributed a chapter to the latest data journalism handbook and hosts the DataViz Book Club, a digital meetup for those interested in building their DataViz knowledge. She talks to us about the rise of community learning and how COVID-19 has changed the field for good. Let's take a listen to our conversation with Lisa Charlotte Rost now. Lisa Charlotte Rost, welcome to Conversations with Data. Thank you so much for the invitation, Tara. Happy to be here. Now, tell us a bit about yourself and your career. How did you become interested in data visualization in the first place? Like, was there a pivotal moment when you thought, this is definitely for me? Oh, there, there definitely was, yeah. So I'm actually coming from design. I studied uh, visual communication for six years, and I focused on print design. So I basically learned how to lay out books and how to lay out magazines. And because of that interest in magazine design, at the end of my studies, I went um, to New York City to do an internship at the Bloomberg Business Week. And that was like in 2013, I think. And the Bloomberg Business Week was hyped, like designers loved it. And <laughs> so I loved it too. And I wanted to figure out um, how to design so well as they're doing. But on the first day when I was there, very excited, they sat down with me and they said, Lisa, would you mind if we put you in the graphics department? And I thought, what the heck are graphics? Like, I had no idea. And so I said something like, oh, do you mean illustrations? Um, because I'm not really an illustrator. And they said, no, 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 we mean data visualizations, like pie charts, bar charts, maps, all these things. And I thought, okay, sure, uh, why not? I like numbers. Um, that could work. And uh, yeah, it was the best internship ever. Like I learned the total basics of, of data visualization, like how to use pivot tables in Excel after doing the same job by hand for a whole day, um, or how to create pie charts in Adobe Illustrator, all these things. And I loved it. I really, I was super sold. And so after graduating, I, um, I was sure I wanted to go more in this direction. And I applied for newspapers because newspapers put out these amazing, beautiful data visualizations. And I saw them um, like so many times every week. And I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. And so, yeah, I worked for mostly German newspapers. I worked for Spiegel a little bit, for Zeit Online and for the Berlin newspaper Tagesspiegel. And then in 2016, I was lucky and I got an open news fellowship um, at the NPR visuals team in Washington, D.C. So I went there and also learned a lot from the, from the scene in the U.S. And yeah, then in 2017, um, I got lucky again. And um, Gregor Eich, the current CTO of DataWrapper, convinced me to join his company. 
And uh, yeah, since November 2017, I've been at DataWrapper and have been very happy there. So tell us a bit about DataWrapper. I mean, most journalists, data journalists know it. Just tell us about how it was founded, how big is the team, how, how was it started, and who's behind it? DataWrapper was thought out in 2012 or even earlier, I believe, by uh, a journalist called Mirko Lorenz. So Mirko gave data visualization, data journalism workshops, and he didn't have a good way to teach them um, data visualizations because there was no easy tool. It was also very, very complicated back in the days to build simple charts and maps and tables. And so he had this idea for a tool and he got Gregor to uh, develop it for him. And so the two of them worked together and um, yeah, DataWopper was, I think it was launched then in 2012 or in 2013 and was already a success back then um, for journalists. But it wasn't so much developed further because Gregor then went to the New York Times to work there as a graphics editor uh, for four years, I believe. Um, and so the tool and the whole team behind the tool was only really started to um, improve much further once um, our current CEO, David Kuckeling, came in. And he started to build a team and everything around it in 2017 when I joined. The tool was original. Um, built for journalists. But by now we have um, more industries using us, for example, financial institutions like banks or Moody's and Fitch rating um, or universities, agencies, uh, stats offices like the Swiss stats office. More and more people want to create charts, maps and tables and we make it easy and it's uh, super nice to see that so many people use us and like us. And we have lots of plans for the future. And I wonder how important um, is localization for Data Wrapper? Like I noticed on your Facebook page, you guys announced you were launching in some other languages. What what languages are those? Oh, right. Yeah. So, so far, our tool was um, available in German and English. So German because most of us are Germans. Um, and the tool was built by a German founder. Um, but uh, English also so that people all over the planet can use us. But the more customers we got from, from different countries, from France, Spain, um, yeah, we have customers all over the, the world now. Um, and they ask for more languages. And our goal is to make it easier for people to create charts. And we just figured out that it is very easier for people if they create charts in their language. So recently we added... Spanish, French, uh, Chinese, and Italian to our um, UI languages. So you can now use Data Wrapper in six languages, basically, uh, and everything will be explained in the language you understand. So you started the DataViz book club on behalf of Data Wrapper. Tell us about it. Who is it for, and how can journalists get involved with it? Sure. So, yeah, I started the DataViz book club in 2018. Um, and it's for everybody who wants to learn about data visualizations and maybe bought a book or two and doesn't find the motivation to read it. So the book club exists to motivate people to offer um, a deadline, basically, and then also often an interesting discussion, also with the author of the book that is read. Um, so we've read 11th book right now, or 10, I think. We, we are discussing our 11th book at the end of April. 
We read data visualization research papers. We read introductions to data visualizations like the Data Visualization Handbook by Andy Kirk um, or the ones by Alberto Cairo, by Cole Nussbaumer Knafflik, by Archie Andrews. And you can imagine it like a, like a Google Doc, really. Everybody comes in and types um, at the same time, really. And you have like colors uh, for everybody. So um, the text is has a background color and so you know who's typing what. And that's been a super nice change, especially with all these uh, video conferences that people uh, had to experience in the last year. Um, so I've heard that a lot, that um, introvert people like it, that the documentation writes itself. Um, and it's a nice change to, to lots of yeah, audio and video chats these days. And how do you decide like what books you you're going to talk about? Like, is it just the latest one that comes out or does the community decide? Um, it's so, so, so sometimes I decide because I'm excited about a new book. Um, but I also started um, doing surveys to ask people which book they want to read next. That's especially important because new books it, it takes a long time until new books are available in all parts of the world where people want to participate in a book club. So we have participants from South America, from North America, of course, from different parts of the US, um, from all over Europe, even from India sometimes or Australia. These are the people who like to be awake at 2 a.m. So, yeah, the book needs to be available in all these uh, different regions. Um, so um, that's what I want to make sure with surveys. And I'm trying to do this more and more to ask um, which book are you excited about reading next? And also uh, which book is already available in your region? I noticed that Jonathan Schwabish was your latest book, you know, his book on better data visualizations. And we just actually had him on our podcast talking about that. So it was interesting to see we're, we're doing the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. There are not so many names uh, in data visualization. Yeah. So I'm just curious um, about any recent trends you've seen since COVID. Um, are, are there any things that you've noticed from people using data wrapper or even just on Twitter, you've seen stuff that, that seems to be taking off in, when, when it comes to charts and graphs and mixing things up. I think the whole data visualization field just got way more important during the last year. I think we got 10 times the views in 2020 that we normally got in before. Um, so, so many people, so many of our users put our charts on their homepages. And normally you wouldn't see so many um, charts, maps and tables on a homepage of a news organization. Um, but in March, April and May 2020, you did. You had like this map, which was always there, this table, which was always there, explaining the la latest numbers. So that's that's great for the scene. Um, but it also comes with some challenges. For example, all these COVID-19 charts, maps, and tables, they are live updating, right? Which is an interesting phenomena because now we see lots of people expect charts to live update and they didn't expect that before. They didn't expect that in 2019 or 2018. And now um, we get questions like, are you planning to update these numbers? Which we normally answer like, no, this is like an article we wrote two years ago. Um, and the data is from three years ago, and that's that's how it's going to stay. 
but yeah, I mean, uh, data wrapper supports live updating uh, in their charts, maps, and tables. Um, and we also saw like a four-fold increase in in yeah in the use of of live updating charts, maps, and tables. And I just am curious, do you think there's more education that needs to happen for audiences or has COVID-19 sort of helped them to understand how to read bar charts and graphs more clearly? I think it's both. I think COVID has shown us how important charts, maps and tables are. Um, and But that we also need more education on both sides, on the sides um, of people who read these charts and also on the side of people who create these charts. I mean, there were mistakes made in the beginning, especially like in April and May. Um, dashboards have improved by now a lot. Like it's very rarely that we see bad COVID-19 dashboards um, because people had the chance to improve them and copy the good parts of other dashboards um, during the whole year. It's It's been interesting also to see how invested people suddenly were because the content of the charts, um, maps and tables were so important to them. So suddenly people on Twitter or like in the comments uh, of, news, um, of news articles where uh, data visualizations were embedded, they discussed them far more than they would have done in like 2018 or 2019, I believe. Um, and that's been interesting to see. So yeah, I think increasing the data literacy as this year has shown is very important, but also um, going back and actually increasing the skills of the data visualization designers has also been um, proven to be very important. Now you gave a talk um, about the rules of data visualization. And I just wondered if you could sort of talk us through some of those key points about the rules. Are, are they meant to be broken in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> that depends what you want to achieve. Um, I'm a big fan of this uh, idea that everything is okay as long as you know what what what's your goal is what do you what do you aim for so rules really depend on what you want to achieve in this talk i compared it with um art theory so in art theory you have for example great art that is great because it has an interesting content or great art because it looks interesting because the form is super interesting that would be like abstract art especially um, and the same, I think, is true for data visualization. It really depends um, what you want to achieve. Do you want to be as accurate as possible? Do you want to be as joyful and playful and beautiful as possible? I don't think you can compare them. Like I see people complaining about um, exciting experimental data visualizations because they're not as well decipherable as a data wrapper chart. But I think they misunderstand the intention there. You wrote a blog about color schemes for data visualizations, looking at qualitative and quantitative color schemes. Like, talk to us about the the key takeaways from those blogs. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that was a huge endeavor. It took me like three or four months to put it all together, and it, it was a super interesting research into how people use color for data visualizations. So basically. Um, what one reads a lot in data visualization books or like basic introductions is that um, there are three or, or sometimes four 
color scales, basically ways of coloring data visualizations, which is uh, a categorical color scale. Um, so, for example, blue, green, purple, um, very different color use that you can use to visualize categories. And then diverging and sequential color scales, which are basically color gradients that go from light to dark, for example, light blue to dark blue, and um, that would be sequential and diverging also has like a middle point. So that would go, for example, from dark purple to light purple and then to dark green, for example. Um, so these are the three color scales. The fourth one would sometimes or is sometimes explained. Um, that's the one where you highlight one category in your data. So you leave all of them in gray and have just one of them, for example, in blue and lead the reader's eye and say, okay, look at this. This is the most important data series here. But then I noticed that these very simple explanation of these three color scales are sometimes going against what data visualization practitioners are actually doing, which is they sometimes use shades like dark blue and light blue and medium blue for categories, or they use um, a diverging color scale, although um, the data is actually sequential. So it's just going from, from low to, to high. And I was wondering first, why is that? And second, are there any underlying rules? Are there any underlying principles that I could write up and help people understand um, why they're acting this way? And I found some, I think. Now, you mentioned earlier that you worked in the United States as well as Germany. Um, I'm just wondering, are there any similarities or differences you noticed in American and German newsrooms when you were working on data visualization? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, the scene, the data was seen in the US um, is definitely bigger than in Germany. And like three years ago, I would have said there are always a few years um, like ahead. They are more innovative. Uh, they experiment more. Um, they try out new things, which is then copied by a news organization in Europe. I'm not sure any like if that's the case anymore. We've seen some excellent dashboards um, about um, COVID-19 uh, in the last year coming from European um, news organizations. So yeah, I think it gets more balance, which is, which is nice to see. Um, newspapers like the New York Times, which are definitely bigger than, than I guess anything you can find in Europe, um, the teams are definitely bigger. And the teams are also not service desks. At um, some organizations in Europe, the graphics department is just there to serve the journalists. The journalists come to them and say, here are four numbers. Can you make me a bar chart? And um, yeah, the graphics department uh, does exactly that. But don't they don't pitch their own stories, basically. I also know of some um, news organizations in the U.S. that have that same problem, that want to be more independent, want to be more like an own voice within a newsroom, um, but, but are not quite there yet. Mm. Yes, I've heard that in the U.K. actually of some, some news organizations. They treat you like, yeah, you're the service desk and you just you don't get a byline and you just go off and take the numbers and turn it into something. So it can be a bit, you know, it's, it's not a great 
way maybe to uh, collaborate. But yeah, it is it is changing though, it seems. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is also something where Data Wrapper wants to help. And this is one of the main reasons why I joined them back then. Because I worked in a newsroom where the graphics team was the service desk. And I was frustrated by it. And I wanted these journalists to have a very simple tool to create their own charts, maps, and tables. And Data Wrapper is ultimately for that to enable everyone uh, in the wider team to build their own charts so that the graphics team can then focus on the bigger stories. Um, and so I just wonder, since you do run the DataViz book club, what are some of your like go-to books that you think people new to this field should be reading or people even who've been in the field for a while should be reading? Is it mainly data journalists? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there are no perfect books yet and it really depends on what you want to get out of it but i think especially for journalists i would recommend cole nussbaumer knafflik's storytelling with data because a lot of books focus on how to build dashboards uh, which is something that the journalists don't necessarily want to do they want to communicate a statement so there is a big difference between explanatory data visualization which is author driven you are the author you are the creator of a data visualization and you want to use it to show something specific to the audience. And on the other side, exploratory data visualizations where the audience decides themselves what they want to get out of it and explore the visualization. And a lot of books are written to explain how to improve exploratory visualizations. And there is a big overlap. Like you also need um, to understand colors. Um, you need to understand types, all these things. But Cole... Nussbaumer Knafflik did a really good job at explaining how to make a statement with a chart, how to use text, how to use colors to convey that statement and do it well. Alberto Cairo is um, also basically a data journalist and his books, How Charts Lie or The Truthful Art, are also excellent um, for data journalists to read, I would say. Um, for a bigger overview of all the rules and principles there are, something like uh, the data visualization handbook by Andy Kirk um, might be might be a better pick. Right. And finally, I'm just curious, you know, what's next for Data Wrapper and your book club? <laughs> so in a book club, as you mentioned, we are reading Better Data Visualizations by John Schwabisch next. And afterwards, we are planning to read uh, Nadi Premas and Shirley Wu's data sketches, which is uh, yeah, a big collaboration they worked on uh, for a whole year. Um, and now they put it out in a book. And um, I'm very excited about that. And I know people in the DataVis community are too. So we're discussing this in the summer. For Data Wrapper, well, we've had a busy year already. We launched our new website to explain um, to people, especially unaware of what Data Wrapper can do yet, what Data Wrapper is all about, so we have better information on there. And we just launched our new accessibility features. So it's now possible to write an alternative description for your chart, map, or table so that screen readers can, can pick that up and explain to blind people better what a chart is about. Um, yeah, in the future, we also are working on our on the data upload step for our Coroplev and Symbol maps. So we offer three map types, Coroplev, Symbol maps, and Locator maps. 
and core platform symbol maps um, have had some user experience, user interface issues um, that um, bigger the tool crew, um, the more user unfriendly it became for especially beginners. And um, yeah, we want to fix that. We want to make our tool um, as easy as possible for beginners. So we are completely redesigning that step right now to let beginners have more fun with that, definitely. And we're also redesigning our My Charts, our My Teams pages right now. So a lot of teams use Data Wrapper to collaborate. And um, we have this overview of all the visualizations you build and you have folders and you can track them and organize them and all these things. Uh, but we think we can do better. And um, the bigger teams grow, I mean, we have users who have like hundreds of folders and they're not um, happy anymore with what we built back then. I mean, this my charts, my teams page is a few years old already. So we planning a redesign right now to make it again like easier for people to collaborate and uh, to understand where their charts are and how to access them to edit them again. And um, yeah, we're also hiring people, um, as I mentioned already. So we just closed applications for um, a marketing writer, a copywriter, and we just opened applications for a support engineer. So I think um, um, we will only close applications in a few weeks for this. So if anybody's interested in becoming a support engineer and helping our excellent support, then uh, please apply. Marvelous. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today on Conversations with Data. Thank you. Thanks, Tara, for having me. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Want to hear more interesting discussions on data journalism? You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.